0: Greg Sestero, co-star of Tommy Wiseau's The Room, dropped by Owensboro in 2014 to promote his book, The Disaster Artist. That tome is a chronicle of Sestero's friendship with Wiseau and how the two of them got the movie made. James Franco and Seth Rogen acquired the film rights to The Disaster Artist a few months prior to Greg's visit. Their adaptation premiered at this year's South by Southwest to much acclaim. It will be released this December, right in the middle of award season. For this, our first Throwback Thursday, we present a brief snippet of audio from Greg's presentation. You'll hear him read from the disaster artist and candidly discuss the topics it covers. Enjoy! All right, chapter one is called Oh Hi Heart. Tommy Wiseau has always been an eccentric dresser, but on a late summer night in 2002, he was turning the heads of every model, weirdo, transvestite, and facelift artist in and around Hollywood's Palm Restaurant. People couldn't stop looking at him. I couldn't stop looking at him. Even today, a decade later, I still can't unsee Tommy's outfit. Nighttime sunglasses. A dark blazer is loose and baggy as rain Sand-colored cargo pants with pockets build to capacity. Was he smuggling potatoes? A white tank top, clunky Frankenstein combat boots, and two belts. Yes, two belts. The first belt was at home when it's loose. The second draped down and back to cut Tommy's backside, which was, he always claimed, the point. He keeps my ass up, plus it feels good. And then there was Tommy himself, short and muscular, his face is lumpy and white, as an abandoned draft of a sculpture, his enormous snow-shovel jaw. His long, thick, impossibly black hair seemingly dyed in magic markering, and currently saw him wet. Moments before we walked in, Tommy had dumped a bottle of Arrowhead water over his head to keep this poopy stuff from afflicting his considerable curls. He had also refused to let the Palm's valet park his silver SL500 Mercedes Benz, worried the guy would fart in his seat. <laughs> At this point, I had known Tommy for almost half a decade. Tommy and I looked more like Marvel Comics nemesis than people who could be friends. I was a tall, sandy, blonde, Northern California kid. Tommy, meanwhile, appeared to have been grown somewhere dark and moist. I knew exactly where Tommy and I fit in among the palms mixture of Hollywood sharks, minnows, and tourists. I was 24 years old, a minnow like Tommy. That meant we had at least 30 minutes to wait for a table. Upon entering the restaurant, I could see various diners consulting their mental Rolodexes, trying to place Tommy. Gene Simmons after three months in the Gobi Desert, the hunchback of Notre Dame following corrective surgery, an escaped Muppet, the drummer from Rat, I don't wait in the lawn, Tommy said, speaking to me over his shoulder. He marched up to the Palm's hostess. I kept my distance, as I always did at times like this, and waited for the inevitable moment in which Tommy spoke, and the person to whom he was speaking tried to make a geographical sense of his pronunciation, which sounded like an Eastern European accent that had been hit by a Parisian bus. The hostess asked Tommy if he had a reservation. Oh yes, he said. We have a table reservation. And uh, what's the name? She said slightly sarcastically, but only slightly, because who knew whether Rat was on the verge of releasing a greatest hits album. Her job required carefully hedging once fame related bets. Wrong, Tommy said. She checked her list. Sorry, she said, tapping her pencil on the page. There's no Ron here. Oh, sorry, Tommy said. It's Robert. She looked down. Yeah, there's no Robert here either. Tommy laughed. Oh, wait, I remember him now. Try John. <laughs> the hostess found the name John near the bottom of her list. John, she said. Party of four. Yes, yes, Tommy said. Summoning me over to bring in one party member closer to accuracy. I don't know who John Party of Four actually was, but the hostess snagged a wine menu and began walking us to our table. I followed Tommy and the hostess through the palm's dim interior and looked at the dozens of movie star caricatures that lined its walls. There was Jack Nicholson, Betty Davis, O.J. Simpson which made me wonder, what exactly did you have to do to get banished from the wall of the pond? Excuse me, Tommy said indignantly after the hostess showed us to our table. Excuse me, but no, I don't sit here. I want a booth. Tommy always insisted on a booth. Sir, booths are reserved. But Tommy was nothing if not unrelenting. I think that hostess figured she had two options. Give Tommy a booth for call animal control to train him. Through a combination of lying, grandstanding, and bullying, Tommy and I were now seated in the booth in the nicest section of the pond. As soon as Tommy sat down, he flagged someone down and said he was starving and ready to order. I don't work here, the person said. (laughs) Whenever Tommy is in a restaurant, he always orders a glass of hot water. I've never seen a waiter or waitress do anything but balk at the request. Here's how the palms waiter handled it. I'm sorry. Did you say a glass of Tommy hot water? Yes. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. A lemon maybe or no, Why do you give me a hard time? Do I speak Chinese? This is simple request. My God. Are you tipsy or something? and more bread with raisins, though. We were at the palm to celebrate. The following morning, official production would begin on the room. <laughs> and then it just went straight downhill from there. <laughs> um, at one point, uh, when I met Tommy, uh, I met him in an acting class, and uh, I watched him perform a, a Shakespearean sonnet, and I was just mesmerized. It's kind of like when you guys watch him say you're tearing me apart, you gotta find out what the hell is that. So I coached him to do a scene. Um, you know, He gave me a lot of uh, support. He said, like, You gotta go be an actor, pursue um, your dreams. So I moved to, um, he gave me his apartment to live in, and he, uh, he only charged me 200 bucks a month, which was a really weird sell, but I said, Hey, I'll go for it. And so, on my fourth audition, I got um, a role in a movie, and I was really thankful towards him. So, I uh, flew to San Francisco to tell him the news, and he had a, kind of a strange reaction. I was like, oh, you're not going to believe this, but I got, I got a role in a movie. And his reaction was, Oh my God, I need candy! <laughs> and so, he reached him back and grabbed these chocolates that were back there. They were kind of like sedatives or something. And so after that it kind of inspired him, so then he moves to L.A. and then began living in the apartment that I was in, so we were roommates, um, which was a really interesting experience. Um, so he kind of went out and did auditions and tried to do that whole thing. I took him to see a movie called The of Mr. Ripley. Um, I was thinking maybe it would kind of open up something, maybe see something there, but instead it inspired him when he got back after seeing that, that he wanted to write his own drama. And so he started that night in that apartment. And that apartment when he walked in there was just kind of a one bedroom, but he took like black curtains and like roped off his part of it. So it looked kind of like a chiller theater, like a vampire cave or something. So he started writing a script and a few months later he just randomly disappeared. this and he sat me down he's like you have to read it and so I sat there and I read it and it was just the most amazing thing I've ever read